setting up here, I said, I love to preach. And I said, you know, it's a riot to preach. You get to watch people. And uh, I said, and you get paid for it. And so uh, you can't hardly beat that. But uh, this sermon tonight is for all the women who say we don't get ministered to at conference. Why don't we have some women's sessions? This is for you tonight. Also, about 60 pastors offered to take up a special love offering if I'd preach this tonight. (laughs) But we're dealing with a problem that has exploded, especially in the arena of ministry. When a man wants to excel for God, He wants to be discipled. He wants to give himself. He wants to take his ministry to another level. He wants to cut his lifestyle. Become more involved. Go to a foreign nation. The wife explodes and begins to oppose or undermine discredit manifest. One pastor told me that he recently lost three to four couples because of one woman. What made it even worse, it was the assistant pastor's wife, and then he lost him too. Another pastor, two disciples, they wanted to get into ministry, came time to deal with the qualifications of getting rid of their television, Went home, asked their wife. She said, over my dead body. They came back to their pastor and said, sorry, we can't get in ministry. So I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want to look at three portfolios in the Bible of women. Michael, Zipporah, and Ruth. Because here are hidden factors of fruitfulness and increase. And I want to ask all the women when I preach this, I want you to decide which wife are you? Praise the Lord, Pastor Campbell. Hallelujah. It's going to be a great night. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3. But I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. The head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovers, dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved, or she was a prostitute. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn, but if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered." For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this reason, a woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels." Father, tonight we come by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I pray, God, you move in this place. God, you would minister. God, you would break bondage. You would give uh, truth, God. Bring deliverance. Uh, move, God, by the Holy Ghost. Uh, in this place tonight, all you do be to the glory of your name. We thank you for these people in Jesus' name. I like to examine Michael, David's wife, uh, in her moment of madness. You can find this in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16 through 23. And the setting is in a time of ministry. You know the story of the ark of the Lord. Uh, uh, David is concerned. This represents God's presence. Uh, he wants to bring this ark back to the city of David. Uh, he struggled to do this. There's been death. Uh, men have died. Uh, uh, there's been uh, uh, bad decisions. They've tried to bring it on an ox cart. Uh, he's made uh, uh, mistakes. Uh, uh, there's failure. Uh, there's a lot involved. But in his heart, um, he values the presence of God. Seventy years has passed. The ark of God had been captured by the Philistines um, the hills of Judea, it's been there at the house of Benadab. Now it's at the house of Obed-Edom. King Saul, the previous king, had no concern. And now David, he's bringing this to the, to the city. He's going to establish God's presence in the temple. The Bible says David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Like many pastors that agonize and struggle um, and desire God's presence in their city. Um, they know the presence of God is going to compute out in fruitfulness um, and in grace and anointing and dominion. Um, uh, they're trying different things. Um, and now finally, um, uh, David's heart is full that day. Um, he's offered burnt offerings. The ark of God is now in his city. Um, the Bible said he's blessed the people in the name of the Lord. David has taken his ministry to another level. And now this is going to trigger something in his wife's heart. The Bible says with all of his might, he's wearing the linen ephod. All of his might speaks of passion. It speaks of a total commitment unto God. The linen ephod, the garment that is worn by the priest, he's made a decision to lay aside his royal robes for the priestly garment. He's removing the secular for the spiritual. Sometimes it happens when a man wants to go full-time in the ministry. He wants to quit his job. He wants to believe God. He's laying aside the world, its rewards, um, the position. Um, and he says um, something in verse 22, I'll be even more undignified uh, than this. Um, and I'll be humble in my own sight. Um, it's Moses refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Um, David has gone public in his worship and his testimony and his and his, uh, his uh, commitment to God. No problem with his wife until this point. No problem as king. The power, the position, all that's involved, uh, the lifestyle. 
He's somebody in the eyes of the world. But now, when he lays that aside and he says, I'm going to make this commitment to the living God, something is triggered in her heart. The Bible says she despised him. How dare you? And you have to ask, why? In our text, it says in verse 12 of 1 Samuel 19, we get a glimpse of all that begins to happen um, here. He's coming um, now to bless his own house. Um, She's looking out the window. Something's already shifted in her heart. Um, She's begun to despise him. And as he comes through the door, how dare you? The handmaidens of Israel are there. Think of this for a moment. They're there, but his wife is not there. I want to say something to all you wives. You've got to be saved. Amen. It really helps if you're in church. It really helps if you know where the prayer room's at. I've preached in places and never see the wife. And I understand conference and things. But this woman, if you look at her history, she had an idols in her house. So Michael, back in chapter 19, verse 12, Michael let David down through a window. He went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image, uh, laid it in the bed, uh, put a a cover of goat's hair for his head uh, and covered it with clothes. Ladies, listen to me. Idols in your house will cause you somewhere to oppose the will of God. Somewhere, if you have idols, and and it may not be this image like she has, um, it can be idols of bitterness. It can be idols of lifestyle. It can be idols of comfort. um, It can be idols of security. But if these are allowed to live in your house, somewhere at a critical moment, um, you're going to oppose what God wants to do in your husband's life. You're going to despise what he loves. You're going to ridicule what is his life. I dealt with a couple recently. And this wife, she despised his ministry. And as the years rolled by, and he stood in my office weeping, uh, and he said, Pastor, now she hates uh, everything that I love. Uh, And they're no longer in church. He's struggling to hang on. And I understand there's another side to all of this. I understand every man here, you have a responsibility. And Pastor Mitchell preached a masterpiece in the men's rally. And you can buy that and listen to that. But I want to tell you also, uh, there's something moving, uh, a demonic strategy in many wives throughout our fellowship uh, and disciples' wives and pastors' wives uh, and there's a spirit moving uh, and you begin to despise and ridicule and become contemptible about the very thing your husband wants to lay down his life for. This woman can't keep her mouth shut. David returned to bless his house and before he can even speak, verse 20, 
she begins to unload and spit out her poison. You want to scream at this lady and say, Michael, Michael, not now. Dear, not now. Now's not the time. So Michael, Saul's daughter, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovered. He, she could not wait to unload on him. Her bitterness, her mockery, her tongue... This word base means you ungodly, you're shameful, you worthless pervert. It's amazing when you're uncovered, you think every woman on planet earth thinks just like you. And that is not true. She thinks all the handmaidens of Israel think the same thing she thinks. But let me ask you, wife, are you one of these ladies? That you take delight and cannot, uh, you cannot keep your mouth off of the man of God. You cannot, uh, you have to discredit. You have to undermine. You have to seem to strike uh, when he's at the pinnacle. He's wanting to believe God. He's wanting to step into another dimension. Uh, He's wanting to be a missionary. He's wanting to go full time. He wants to get in ministry. Wants to be a Bible study leader. Wants to do something for God. God is beating in his heart and he wants to do that. And right at that moment, you must beware. Uh, There's a demonic strategy. If you're not careful, in this hour in which we live uh, that will rise up in your spirit and you'll speak words that are deadly. Because the Bible says these words. They had no children. She had no children to the day of her death. She was cursed. Something died that day concerning increase and blessing. They're never mentioned together again. Think of this. The Bible says he came home to bless his household. He came home. He's bring, no doubt, perhaps there's food involved, but he's, been, he's bringing home the presence of God to release blessing in his house. And God said, No! You're not going to bless this house because I've cursed it. And the curse is a lack of increase, a lack of fruitful. I want to tell you, fruitfulness and increase, uh, uh, there's a mysterious element involved. And that element has very much to do with your home. You want, to, you want all your kids to go to hell? Just talk about the people of God and the things of God in front of them. You want your kids to grow up cynical um, and and twisted and kinked about the church? Just talk to in front of them uh, about this person or that person. There's a lot of barren churches today, I believe, because of this. Wouldn't it have been wonderful? I mean, you know, she. Uh, we all have upset our wives from time to time. All the wives said, "Amen." Good place to say, "Amen." But this is not the place, nor the time, to deal with this. 
You're always critical. You're bitter. You have no respect. You love the dirt on people. You're always displeased and griping. God needs to deliver you tonight before you leave this place, sister. I can't help it. I'm just intense. I try, I try. Pastor Mitchell, I try sometimes. Let's look at Zipporah, the emotional explosion. She's got a lot of press lately. You can find her in Exodus 4, verse 19. Again, a woman's heart is exposed in the arena of ministry. Moses now is getting a second call from God. His dream is birthed again. What he was born for. The ark. All of this design. His sister watching over him. Delivered him into practically Pharaoh's living room. All of this God speaking direction. All of this has died on the backside of the desert. But now it's rekindled at the bush again. The rod's in his hand. He has a word from God concerning the call. He's on the way to deliver a nation. There's anointing. Life has taken a dramatic shift. As I said, he's born for this moment. Think of this as he's on the way. You know the story, but this is basically all the Bible has to say about this woman. This one little capsule about her entire life as his wife, Zipporah. No other words are recorded. There's nothing like Hannah at the altar weeping about barrenness and crying out to God. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskins of her son, cast it at Moses' feet, said, Surely you're a husband of blood to me. So God let him go. Then she said, You're a husband of blood to me because of the circumstances. Again, The standards of ministry and what God required is now exposing this woman's heart. It's a time to cut flesh. I want to say, everyone here, you desire ministry. Your sons and daughters will have to make sacrifice for the gospel. And many times, mothers, when it comes time, the husband says, Look, we're going. We're going to deliver a nation. We want to be missionaries. We want to do for God. We want to take it to another level. At that moment, she manifests. When your sons, those living in your own house, it's a time to discipline. It's a time to cut flesh. She has this emotional explosion, this dominating, demanding wife. If she doesn't get her way, hell is to pay. She has a fit. You read this. um, I've read numbers of commentaries. uh, uh, Oh, she's going, I'll do the will of God. Bless God. uh, But I'm telling you, I'm going to make your life hell. I mean, she's throwing foreskins at it. I mean... uh, Connie threw a bowl of soup at me one time, and I turned over the table. I mean, you know, but she never threw any foreskins at me. Thank God. 
<laughs> She's having a temper tantrum. She's blown up. She's manipulative. She's uh, dominating. She's controlling. She's violent. I'll do the will of God. But I don't like it. But she's throwing at him what God has required. Because it's, this is the covenant of the Jew is every male child at eight days is going to be circumcised. And I know Moses has failed, I know, and, and that's another sermon, but listen to me. She's throwing at him with disdain what God has required for them to go into ministry. How many times do wives do that? The sacrifice. Throwing it up to you because of your calling. How many times missionaries, I, I'm here but I hate it. And I hate these people and I hate you and I hate God. But I'm here. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to cut this thing. But I want to tell you, I'm throwing it up to you. Every day I'm going to throw it up to you. Is that you, ma'am? Especially in times of sacrifice. God demands, says, I want to touch your children. Something happens here, if you'll read it on through. She doesn't continue on with Moses, nor do the sons. She returns back home because in chapter 18, we're in chapter 12 chapters later, Jethro, this is her father, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, and now they've come to meet him. Think with this. I'm not sure scholars are different. Some say, you know, Moses is so upset, he said, out of here. I can't, I can't do what God's called me to do with you here. Go back to your dad. And others feel, you know, it's like women today. They're always going to run home to mom and dad. But whatever the case, the boys went with her. And think of what they missed. They missed 12 chapters they missed a, a nation of people being delivered. The blood of the Lamb, the Red Sea, the plagues, manna from heaven, water from a rock. They missed it all. But not only did they miss it all, you never hear of these boys again. Let me ask you, what kind of wife are you? You know, if your husband's called, you're called too. We're not asking you to preach. But we are asking you to have a good heart and a right spirit. Pastor Cluck told a story in our church uh, Sunday night. He said this drunk was being questioned. He says, why are you such a drunk? He said, my wife makes me drink. She drives me to drink. The preacher said, oh, that's not possible. How could that be? Then he said, I met her wife, his wife, and I said, pour me one. Yeah. 
Sounds like Pastor Cluck, don't it? Listen to me. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I can help you right here if you'll allow me. What I'm about to tell you is an observation of a number of years discussing with, with Pastor laboring over men's lives. Listen, dominating foreskin-cutting wives always make weak sons, especially when the man's in the house. This is true in your home. This is true in the house of God. Article here. Woman castrates man with her bare hands. Lillington, North Carolina, January 1st, 2007. A woman was charged with malicious castration for attacking a man during a Christmas party. Rebecca Arnold Dawson, 34, is accused of grabbing the genitals of a 38-year-old man during a fight that erupted last week. I believe he needed more than 50 stitches to repair the damage. All we can tell you, there was blood everywhere and the injury was done with her hands. There was no weapon used. I know some women like that. <laughs> North Carolina law describes malicious castration as cutting off, maiming, or disfiguring a person's genitals with the intent to hurt or render the victim impotent. I know some pastor's wives like that. Woo! You always have to have your hand into private areas of the church. You're always sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. You're wanting to counsel. You're wanting to correct the disciples. You call them on the phone. You tear up butt. They fear you more than God. But I want to tell you something. They will not excel. You will hinder and destroy fruitfulness and destiny. This produces weak men. They're morally, spiritually. They have no edge. They have no dominion. Moses named his sons Grisham, Sojourner, Eleazar. My God is my helper. He named them, but Zipporah marked them. And you never hear of these boys again. Is that you, ma'am? What about Ruth? Interesting woman. Think of this woman. She's a Moabite. She's cursed. She doesn't have a chance. Her husband's died. Her sons are dead. She's being led back to Bethlehem by a bitter woman. And yet there's, I mean, she has seemingly every opportunity to be kinked and twisted. 
And yet, uh, here is this curse, cursed from generation to generation. No Moabites. Uh, God says, I don't want them in my presence. They're cursed, cursed, cursed. And yet this woman does something very powerful. She's in the fields of labor. She's not complaining. Ruth 2.2, please let me go to the field. She's not blaming. She's not hateful. She's not quitting. She's not filled with self-pity. And in that harvest field, God begins to do a miracle. But listen to what she does. The Bible says she laid down at Boaz's feet, has a garment, she takes that garment, uncovers his feet, lays down, and covers herself. It happened at midnight. The man was startled, turned to him. There was a woman lying at his feet. This means, uh, listen to me, ladies. I read this text in Corinthians. Um, this word covering is a powerful word. It has two thoughts. One is the picture of a wall city or a fortress uh, to be surrounded. The other thought is a mantle. It's like Elijah, the mantle that he passed, the garment, a symbol of authority passed to Elisha. Your protection and the authority of God, that dominion of God that will protect your mind and spirit from the demonic is directly linked to your willingness to be covered. Your willingness to be submitted when you cover yourself, you position yourself for incredible blessing and fruitfulness. The Bible says Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. And she conceived and she bare a son, Obed. Obed. This is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Think of this for a moment. Here is this woman. She's cursed. She has no hope in life and no, no, not an ounce of hope in God. But she's in the field. She has a right heart and she submits herself to this man, Boaz. And she becomes of the lineage of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Which one do you want to be? No one can make you do that. It's not even an, it's an inward thing of the heart. It's where you honor your husband. And I know sometimes men are insane. I know I deal with abuses and I deal with the tragedy and the agony. But what is so powerful here? Listen, ladies, um, your husband, do not try to hinder him from the thing God has called him to do. Be a support, be a blessing. And you know what? You will release God's glory and future and destiny. And who knows what you will birth in your own house or in the house of God. This woman, when she does all this, no clue that one day she'd be recorded that down through her seed is going to come Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want to close with one quick thought. Listen to me, husbands. Listen to me carefully. You have a responsibility to cover your wife and family. 
Listen to what I'm going to say to you. The sin that you do not protect and cover your family from will become your own. You will be unable to resist the sin that you do not shelter and protect your family from. Lot takes his family into Sodom and Gomorrah, compromises righteousness for wealth. This perverted Sodomite city. And what does he do one day? He has incest when it's offered from his own daughters. The sin you do not protect and stand and confront that would assault your wife and children. One day you'll be unable to resist it, especially if it's offered from her hand. Most scholars feel Adam was there. When Eve was being tempted, he was there. This is He knew what was going down. You can do your own research and study. And gen- he knew what was happening. He was there and he did not speak up. He did not stand. He did not confront. And she partook. But not only did she partake, later when she offered it to him, he did not resist. Abraham, you know the story there, Sarah. This wicked king, he looks upon Sarah. He's moved in lust And he takes Sarah and God has to intervene. Thank God God intervenes. God steps in and spares. But what's so interesting later when Sarah offers Hagar. Where is Abraham's faith at that moment? It says, no, 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 honey. God's dealt with me. We're going to have a son. This seed is going to be righteous and spiritual. The same sin he would not protect his wife from. Later when she offers it to him. This is true of bitterness. It's true of rebellion. I'll never forget a number of years ago dealing with this man. He's weeping and breaking. He knows uh, he's on a suicide journey of rebellion. Um, and he says, would you please talk to my wife um, and his wife? And I'm thinking in my mind, uh, uh, this is, is, is going to be glorious. Uh, they're going to repent. Uh, uh, they're going to turn away from this madness of rebellion and bitterness. Um, and he brings his wife and she looks at him. How dare you after what you've said to me? And they're gone today. He could not resist that which he had not defended his own wife from. Listen to me, preacher. You have a, a, a right, not only a right, but an obligation before God uh, with your family and your church uh, to stand against sin uh, and rebellion and bitterness uh, and compromise and lukewarm and ungodliness and uncleanness and perversion. And if you do not cover them, one day, You'll find yourself like any other man. Like Samson, you'll shake yourself. And you'll be weak. And the tragedy of the story will be recorded. Don't let it be you. Do not let it be you. 
This explains a lot of things tonight from the Word of God. It explains why some women are always tormented mentally, emotionally, physically. is because you're defenseless, because you're uncovered. It explains why men that you never thought in a thousand years would fall, why they fall is because they will not stand in their own house, whether it be their home or the house of God. I believe we have an incredible, incredible decade before us should Jesus tarry. I believe we're just barely scratched the surface of what God could do through this fellowship in these last days. But listen, we're going to have to be righteous. And it begins at home. God says, Moses, after all of my investment, I'm going to kill you if you don't deal with that flesh growing in your own house. I ask you to bow your head with me this evening. You're here tonight for a few moments and your heart's not right with God. You're not saved. You're not living right. You're living unclean and in ungodliness. You're backslidden. Heads are bowed for a few moments. No one moving around. Respect to what God wants to do. That's you tonight in this place. You say, Pastor Campbell, I want to be saved. I'm talking about being converted. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus washing away your sin. The Holy Ghost of God taking up residence. I'm talking about a powerful cleansing and deliverance and salvation. You're here tonight, and that's you. You'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to leave this place unsaved, backslidden, lukewarm, away from God. You'd lift your hand right now quickly that I could see it. Just lift it up all over this building. All over this building, you lift it up that I could see it. You're unsaved. You're not right with God. You'd say, here's my hand, Pastor. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Anyone at all? Anyone at all?